0: Good evening, Purple Family. Welcome to another episode of Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be counting down my favorite top ten Prince political songs. So, the reason why it took me so long to finally do this episode was because I wanted to gather up the lyrics to each of my uh, selections so that we could kind of get into the lyrical content of these songs because. When you think about political songs in general, it's the lyrics and not just the music that really gets you to kind of thinking about some things. And Prince had a very analytical mind. And so he incorporated politics, you know, as for lack of a better term, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was political in, when thinking about like politics, as far as like, you know, Democrats versus Republicans. Because he didn't vote. Uh, Now, he didn't, you know, because Jehovah's Witnesses are not political and they don't vote. So he wasn't political in that sense, because I don't think that there was ever any, you know, politician that he ever endorsed or um, that he was ever really, you know, close to or associated with. Not that I know of. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he wasn't, you know, political in that way. But he did very much uh, have, you know ideas about certain beliefs and things and how things were ran as far as, you know, how our government was ran for, for one. And so he was very astute in that he would gather people, uh, that were, you know, in the know with these type of, um, with these type of things like, uh, Van Jones, which was a good friend of Prince. He was kind of a talking head pundit, uh, on CNN. I think I've seen him on, uh, MSNBC and he was a close friend of and so Van would uh, has told stories about, you know, how Prince would invite him and um, some other intellectuals over to uh, Paisley Park to talk about like black issues. Also, Tavis Smiley, also uh, Tavis Smiley, and um, I'm thinking this this one guy, this uh, black intellectual, crazy here, not uh, what's his name. Um, Dang, I cannot remember his name, but he's like a doctor, not Dr. Umar crazy, crazy ass. Uh, but, um, but he was a guy, he was an older guy and he was the one, not Dick Gregory, but, um, he was the one who said that, uh, Prince, Prince was all right. You know, he was a good musician and all, but he was not no um, uh, what is that guy's name? I can't remember anybody's name now, but, uh, Curtis Mayfield. Uh, so I can't remember who, it, but he's a doctor. And he's kind of one of those that are kind of like really well, you know, uh, well known. You know, he always is kind of not in the news because he's kind of controversial. But anyway, so uh, he even got invited to because I can't think of his name. So I'm going to have to probably edit this and look at look, look his name up. Um, but uh, so anyway, but he would bring intellectuals over to Paisley Park. And they would have these discussions about, you know, what's going on in the government and what's, you know, and what was going on in the news. Because Prince wanted to surround himself with people that were in the know so that, you know, he could get the best understanding of things. But Van Jones talked about how Prince was one of like the smartest people that he ever met and how when Prince would ask questions, he would ask like the hard questions, the questions that nobody else thought about when it came to certain topics. And that was really impressive to Van. Um, on one of the uh, songs on this countdown is "Baltimore," which uh, which we all remember. "Baltimore" is about uh, Freddie Gray, and how you know he was uh, he ended up dying in police custody in Baltimore in 2015. And so when that was going on, that whole situation, you know, and also prior to that in 2014, we had our uh, other uh, uh, Brown, uh, Mark Brown or what was his first name? Um, Brown, I know was his last name. The, uh, the kid who was uh, shot in, uh, Missouri by the police. And, uh, and of course, Eric Garner up in New York. So, you know, from, so starting, it started with Trayvon Martin, you know, in 2012, when he was killed by, uh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman, uh, for just walking down a street And it went from like, so from about 2012 to about 2015, there seemed to be, you know, an, you know, an, an increased occurrence, or at least of it being reported anyway, of, you know, black and brown people being killed by the police. Because in 2015, there was also the, uh, the incident with Sandra Bland, where she was pulled over in Texas and she, you know, mysteriously dies while in custody. And I mean, and then there's also, um, what is his name? The one that really got me y'all was, uh, I think his name was, uh, Castile of, uh, um, Philip or uh, anyway, the one where the girlfriend went live after he was shot and killed by the police. That one was chilling to me. And that occurred, I think maybe right after Prince died. I think it was in June of 2016, But I want to say his name was like, um, and it's, it's such a shame that I have forgotten these men's names, but you know, like, you know, they, you know, say their, say their name, but I can't like, I don't know. As soon as I start my podcast, it's like, I can't remember anybody's name for nothing in the world. Y'all, y'all pray for me. Um, but yeah, I think his last name was Castro or something like that, or Castile or something like that. And, but yeah, that was so, so chilly. That's the one that really just broke my heart. Because, you know, his girlfriend and his baby was in the car and I could only imagine, you know, what Prince would have thought about that. And, you know, George Floyd, which happened right there in his hometown of Minneapolis. And I, you know, that's the first thought that occurred to me after what happened with George Floyd in 2020, uh, that I wonder how Prince would have responded. And I think that he probably would have responded in the same way that he did with Freddie Gray in 2015. He went out to Baltimore. He did a uh, concert, a fundraiser concert, and he just kind of just spoke to the crowd and said, Hey, the next time I come to Baltimore, I want to, you know, come to Black-owned businesses. I want to patronize Black-owned businesses because that is the only way that, you know, we can, you know, come up is we own our own stuff, you know? And he would have these conversations, you know, with Van and other people, just like like he would never, you know, like he, with the whole Trayvon Martin, and, and it is true that he did help out. Uh, he did give some money to the uh, Trayvon Martin's family. Now, I don't know if he paid for the funeral per se, but I know that he did give them some money. And um, when Van, when he was having a conversation with Van about the whole Trayvon Martin situation, he made a comment uh, that... Well, if you see this black boy that has um, a hoodie on, but then you don't think nothing of Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the founder of Facebook, having his hoodie. So he he said, "Well, well, basically, we need more black Zuckerbergs, is what Prince said. And I agree. You know, we need more, you know, black and brown people in these positions of power that can try to kind of if not completely change the situation, it at least bring some hope to some people. Because, you know, let's just face it, um, white people don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying that white people aren't killed by the police because they are. But I think in most instances, the police are more willing to just, you know, open fire or tase or automatically attack black and brown people before they are white people. And I mean, just I mean, and it could be just a matter of it's not being reported as much, you know, because that's what people say. Well, you know, white people, you know, get, you know, killed and, you know, and roughed up by the police, which they do. And maybe it's not as reported as much because it's not as sensational. And that could be the case as well. But I'm I'm think I'm more on the side of that it's more prevalent with the black and brown people being abused. And I'm not saying that police, then not all police are bad or, you know, any of that. But, you know, we, we just know black and brown people, we know how it goes with the police is basically what I'm saying. But anyway, as always, I got off all off topic. So let me go ahead and get into this countdown. So I just wanted to give you kind of like a little brief, brief background. Um, Prince started, you know, his political rhetoric kind of early in his career. I think one of the first political songs that I remember hearing was on, uh, the controversy album uh, where he did, uh, actually he did two, uh, rather political songs on that album. He did, uh, Ronnie Talk to Russia and Annie Christian. And those are both also on my list as well. So like I said, uh, hopefully you like my list. I might have left off, um, a song that you think is political. So please let me know if you, uh, if I missed a song or, you know, what have you. I also had a poll up on the Facebook page and it looks like Money Don't Matter Tonight uh, won that poll because I took a poll. I I, uh, added most of the songs that I have on my list, I put on there, not all of them, but most of them, just to try to see what um, my Facebook people thought about uh, what was Prince's best political song. And Money Don't Matter Tonight is definitely a banger and it definitely stands out and it's most definitely on my list. So let's get right into it. So at number 10, I have America. So America was on, um, what was it on? Um, Around the World of the Day. So Around the World of the Day was, you know, the album that came out after Purple Rain. So it was um, a lot of people, you know, compared to Purple Rain, they just think it was kind of lackluster. But after many, many years now, I think I have a much better appreciation for Around the World of the Day than I did when I maybe first heard it. Um, It's a very eclectic album, but it's also like I could almost see where Prince was going. Like he said before the album came out at the end of the Purple Rain Tour that he was looking for the ladder. And so, of course, the ladder being, of course, one of the songs uh, on the album But another song that uh, is uh, on that album is America. And there is like a extended uh, version of the song that's like 20 minutes. So check that one out if you haven't. And I usually put up this song on the Facebook page like around 4th of July because, you know, he's he's uh, talking about America and he's singing America. America, God shed his grace on thee. So he's kind of, you know, kind of taking off from that uh, song, America the Beautiful. And, but he's talking about how, yeah, we're so-called free, but America is really, America really the land of the free. So let's get, let's look into some of these lyrics. Let me find them real quick. Because I printed them all out because I really wanted to dive into exactly what Prince is saying. So he said... Aristocrats on a mountain climb, making money, losing time. Communism is just a word, but if the government turn over, it'll be the only word that's heard. So at this time in the 80s, of course, we're still in the Cold War. So communism uh, in Reagan's uh, America, no less, is definitely still very much a, a buzzword because just like some of the presidents before him, such as JFK and Eisenhower, Reagan was definitely what we would uh, call a cold warrior, meaning that he wasn't going to allow Russia or any of the other communist states try to get won over on us. And so communism was still very much prevalent uh, during this time uh, that um, Around the World Today came out in 85. So he's saying aristocrats on a mountain climb. So he's basically saying the aristocrats are the rich people are, you know, going up, you know, and they're making money and they might be losing time, but, you know, you can never really get back time once it's lost, but he's saying they're making money and they're just only worried about stopping communism. And of course he goes into the, uh, uh course, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. America, America. Keep the children free. Okay, so the second verse, he says, little sister making minimum wage, living on living in a one-room jungle monkey cage. Can't get over it. She's almost dead. She may not be in the black, but she's happy she ain't in the red. So he's once again talking about, you know, poverty and the fact that people are living hand to mouth and in these small apartments that they're paying way too much for And she's, you know, she's may not be all the way, you know, good, but she's not all the way in the red either. So she's working, but she's, you know, she's poor. So let's see what else he says. I'm not going to do the, all of the, the whole like lyric sheet, but let's see. Um, I think I might've lost my place just now. Or that might be all of it. Well, no, I don't know. Let me go look. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is, y'all. Okay. So no, I mean, I guess that's it. America, America, God shed his grace. So I think he just has just those, uh, two, two verses. And then he just does the chorus like three more times. But basically, like I said, he's talking about, you know, the so-called American dream and how it's not, you know, working for everybody. You know, we all know people that are, you know, still struggling working minimum wage to this day. And just not really, and the rich are not still, you know, not having to pay their fair share, basically. And that's not fair, but you know, that that's just what it is. It was, uh, that was the case back then in 85, and it's still the case now in 2023. So, <sighs> what can we do? Just, you know, just pray and just try to hope for better. You know, that's really all we can do sometimes when it comes to that. And try to help each other, of course, when we can. So, That's number 10. So number nine is Free, which was on the 1999 album. So 1999 was an album that it didn't really have a lot of political uh, rhetoric on it. Uh, It was more, I think, more kind of sci-fi-ish because of some of the music on it and futuristic. uh, Because, of course, you're talking about 1999 and 1982. So that that makes sense. But Free, now, when I did my, um, way back when I did my review of the 1999 album, I kind of, you know, discounted Free. It was one of those songs that I I think that Free, to me, was the weakest song on 1999. And so I really didn't go to, that's not one of my go-to songs when I go back to listen to 1999. Uh, But when I started putting this list together, I started thinking, okay, well, Free, you know, He's saying something here, you know, he's saying about, you know, that, you know, it's good that, you know, we are free to be who we are, you know, because of the country that we live in, but don't get it twisted. You know, you still have to, you know, soldiers, as he said, soldiers are marching, writing brand new laws. We will all fight together for the most important cause. We will all fight for the right to be free. And he says, be free that you be glad that you are free. Free to change your mind. Free to go almost anywhere, anytime. And I think that that's something as Americans and and other, you know, countries that have that freedom, we take that for granted because that's not the case for a lot of people who are living in countries where you don't have that freedom to do what you want and to go where you want anytime you want to go. And so we should celebrate that, you know, be glad he says that you are free, that there's many a man who's not. So he's talking about, I think they're people that are like incarcerated, for example, people that are in jail, they're not free. You know, now they put themselves in that situation, sure enough, but they are not free to move around and do what they want to do. And and then he says, be glad that what you have, baby, what you've got, be glad for what you've got. Be happy with what you have. Some people, most people, and probably, I'm going to just say, maybe... We all have been there. You know, I, I hate to generalize, but you've always, you you know, you've seen something that somebody else has. You're just like, damn, I wish I had that. But you never know. I mean, the, what what is the, what is the phrase? The, um, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, you know, or you can't, you see something from the outside, but you can't see what's really going on on the inside, you know? So Just be happy with what you've got, the people that are in your life, what you're doing, and don't covet somebody else's because, you know, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Why people, you know, they put on a facade, a lot of people, you know, especially with the event of social media. I mean, you can have any kind of life that you think, you know, you want to have on social media, but a real life with the real people that know you, I mean, it's totally, it can be totally different and nobody would be the wiser. So just be happy with who you are and what you have and who you have in your life. I I think it's basically what he's saying with this song. So that is number nine. Number eight is Baltimore. And we already kind of touched on Baltimore a little bit and his reasonings uh, behind making the song. But we can go ahead and look at the lyrics. Baltimore was on the very last album that Prince put out during his lifetime hit and run phase two and if you haven't heard it please 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 uh, after you listen to this podcast go check out ch- go check it out uh, I prefer hidden run phase two over hidden Ru- hidden run phase one but um, that's just my personal preference uh, but there's a lot of good songs on uh, hidden run phase two I like stare I like Baltimore uh, resolution, um, uh, revelation, I'm sorry, not resolution. Uh, there's a lot of good, good stuff there. So I'm trying to see, did I print out the lyrics to Baltimore? I might not have, because I'm looking at these pages y'all and I do not see it. And I don't think I forgot, or maybe I just didn't get all the pages, but basically we know what Baltimore is about. And he's saying, you know, it's basically a protest phone. You know, and uh, protesting uh, police police brutality and the fact that, you know, no justice, no peace. You know, we're not going to stand for, you know, this to keep happening, you know, to our people and not to just our people. But, you know, when I say that, you know, but people in general, it's just, you know, it's just horrible what happened to Freddie Gray and to everybody, all the all the ones, all those people, those men and women that were slain by the police. Like, it's just just horrible because I think about the fact that it really could have been, you know, my husband or my father or my brother. You know, when I saw uh, that Castile guy, uh, that's the first thing that occurred to me. That's the very first thought that I had was that I could have been, uh, a, you know, a black man in my family that I loved because black men in particular. And I mean, you know, minority men but particularly black men are so revived you know re- you know they're so reviled you know in the public eye and and a lot of times they don't even see the public doesn't even see black boys as being boys like they can't even be children like a lot of you know especially i hate to say this but sometimes you know a lot of you know not a lot but some caucasians i feel like feel like they look at black black boys that are the same age as their children, and they see them almost like grown men. And I'm like, there are kids too. And it's just like they can't be kids. Like with um, what's his name? Um, Mark Brown. Uh, when uh I think uh, what is his first name? It's not Mark, I can't remember what his name is now, but um but Brown, the, the Brown boy, you know, they talked about how he was smoking weed and how he was this, that, and the third. And I'm just like Well, kids do that. I mean, I'm not saying that it's right, but, you know, kids get into trouble. And just because he's black doesn't mean that, you know, he he's not allowed to be a kid. You know, he's not allowed to do stupid stuff because if white kids can do it, why can't black kids do it? But they don't see black boys as being children. They see them as being grown ass men and they are not, (laughs) you know, and I, I couldn't help but notice that rhetoric because. Anytime a black victim, a black, you know, a black boy is a victim of violence, uh, police violence in particular, they always want to go into the background. You know, they even like, even with Trayvon Martin. Now what happened was totally not his fault, but yet they wanted to go look him up. And, you know, of course he got, you know, caught smoking some marijuana and some pictures on, I guess his Facebook page or whatever. And I'm just like, what has that got to do? He didn't deserve to die. Just because he smokes a little weed. So what? You know, it was just the whole thing was just ridiculous. And then that farce of a, um, of a, uh, case that they had in that, um, trial, that's what I'm trying to say. A farce of a trial that they had against, uh, Zimmerman, George Zimmerman. I was just, I was just so upset about that, but okay, but let's move on. So, um, Baltimore is number eight. So number seven was is everybody's favorite on the facebook page money don't matter tonight and money don't matter tonight um well if you think if you just think back to the video it looks like it's referring to the gulf war which was what was going on at the time when uh diamonds and pearls came out so if you're not familiar the gulf war happened because Saddam hussein at the time who was um he was like the ruler or leader of um Iraq at this time, he, uh, evaded Kuwait. And so because the United States, and it wasn't just the United States, but it was also the United States and that, and their allies, the UK and others also decided to go in and protect Kuwait. Now people say it's because of the oil situation, uh, because we get our oil from, uh, Kuwait and that could have been the case and more than likely it was that we were protecting our interests. But be that as it may, we went and uh, helped get um, uh, Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. And so that's basically what the Gulf War was about. And so at the very beginning of the, the video for Money Don't Matter Tonight, you see a big tank and it's, you know, and it's, you know, busting out bombs or whatever. And it made you think. And I was really, really young when this was going on. I was about seven years old, I think in, in 90, uh, 91, I think is when the war started. And, uh, it was a it was a very brief war. It wasn't very long, uh, cause we, we kind of got in there and got out and, but we kept Sudan Hussein in power. Like he didn't get toppled. Like that would happen in 2003, uh, when the, uh, uh, uh Afghan war would start. But so this was before that, of course. So he's talking about, um, let's look at the lyrics for money don't matter tonight. So he says one more card and it's 22. Unlucky for him again. He never had respect for money. It's true. That's why he never wins. That's why he never ever has enough to treat his lady right. He just pushes her away in a huff and says money don't matter tonight. So this is also talking about, once again, poverty and being about, you know, a man and his family and, you know, they're working, but, you know, they're poor, and not really having enough money, enough play money. And I know I can relate to that because these bills, honey, like sometimes we don't have enough to just like play with. I would like to have, you know, enough money to just you like do something else other than pay bills with. Now it's great that you have enough money to pay your bills, but sometimes like you might want to take a trip. You might want to, you know, have a nice meal out somewhere, you know? And when you don't have that extra, it, it does kind of sting at times. So money don't matter tonight and it show don't matter. Well, he said show, it sound like, but it said it sure didn't matter yesterday. Just when you think you've got more than enough then when it's all up and flies away. That's when you find out that you're better off making sure your soul's all right. Because money don't matter yesterday and it show don't matter tonight. And so he's saying that value your soul, you know, over your, over money because money, it, money is insequential because you could die tomorrow. You could die, you know, today, you know, you just never know when your time is up and you can't take any of that money with you when you're, when you die, all that money that Prince left behind, he didn't, he, he couldn't, he didn't take that with him when he left us. So that's why it's just, it's just so temporary. Our life here. It's temporary, And I think that's kind of what he was trying to convey there. He said, um, and I think, and I, and let me see. And I think that that kind of is validated when he says something about long, everybody wants to live a long life, you know, and long life is what we're all aiming for. But sometimes, you know, that doesn't happen. You know, he said, Uh, Let me see where he says that at. Um, Yeah, and then he's talking about the war as well. He says, hey, now, maybe we can find a good reason to send a child off to war. So what if we're controlling all the oil? Is it worth a child dying for? Is it worth it? If long life is what we all live for, then long life will come to pass. Anything is better than the picture of the child in a cloud of gas. And you think you got it bad. So he's talking about those children over there in Kuwait and Iraq that had to suffer because some men decided some politicians decided that they wanted to go to war and that is and that I mean and that is always the case with war you always have those different you know those unfortunate casualties of war women and children uh are always getting caught up in the midst of that and that's what happens but money don't matter tonight is one of my favorite songs on diamonds and pearls and um I think he, he he's definitely making a statement again about the war and about the fact that money is fleeting. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Money has never, it doesn't matter. It's just a piece of paper. I mean, yes, it has value, but it's not worth your life. It's not worth your soul. So that's, I think that's what he's saying with that. So number six is Runny Talk to Russia. So Ronnie talked to Russia was on controversy and it's a, a, a cute little kind of, uh, fast song. He's just saying, Ronnie talked to Russia before it's too late. Once again, we're talking about the cold war and the fact that, um, you know, Ronnie or talking about Ronald Reagan, the president at the time needs to go over and talk to the, uh, the Russian premier who I can't remember who his name was at the time. Now I do know that, uh, uh what's his name? Gorbachev. Was I think uh, during his second term, so I can't remember who was uh, over Russia a- in the early '80s when this came out. But anyway, so but Ronnie, like I said, once again being a Cold Warrior, he was not going to be the you know the type of person that was going to make the first move as far as trying to trying to talk and negotiate to the Russians. He didn't have a uh, a moment like. Um, president Nixon did when he went to China in the early seventies, like he wasn't going to do all that. He was just going to, you know, stand firm on, you know, what he believed was, you know, the right thing to do, which was to stand on his, you know, American values and we're strong and, you know, we're going to show them that we're strong and, you know, that, that whole thing. So yeah, Ronnie was never going to talk to Russia. He was just going to, Basically, just talk shit to Russia. (laughs) Uh, But eventually, like I said, Gorbachev, uh, when uh, Mikhail, I think was his first name, Mikhail Gorbachev, when he was, uh, came into, uh, when he uh, became the uh, premier of Russia, and I'm saying premier, but I think it's like president or prime minister, um, when he became the prime minister of Russia, that's when things really started to change because uh, Gorbachev was a man who just knew that, you know, this isn't the way we can't keep going like this, you know, and I say Russia, but I mean, it was the Soviet Union back then. Um, So, and, um, but, you know, it was still, the country was still called Russia, but it was really, you know, the Soviet Union. But anyway, so, but Golbatrov was um, the person that really Reagan was just perfect, you know, for Reagan because they ended up, you know, Kind of agreeing on some things, and eventually it didn't take. I think 1989 was when the uh, Berlin Wall came down. So I, I think he was elected uh, like in '87, '86, something like that. So I mean, he was ready to, you know, put out, you know, his hand to try to work with uh, the Americans on trying to, you know, unify, you know, uh, Russia and the Soviet Union, also Germany as well, because. Germany, you know, well, East Berlin, well, Berlin anyway, which was the capital of Germany uh, back in the sixties, uh, when JFK was president, they put up a wall between East Berlin and West Berlin and West Berlin was more, you know, a uh, democratic and East Berlin was uh communistic. And so that wall came back, came down in 1989. And after that, it was, the writing was on the wall for the Soviet union and they fell in 1991. So just a little history lesson for you. But yeah, but at this time in the early 80s, there was still the possibility that Russia and the United States would still, you know, could get caught up in a nuclear war that would be devastating to both countries because there was still, you know, a nuclear arm race that was going on. Each country was trying to outdo the other as far as like how many nuclear warheads that they could, you know, make. And so he's saying, so Prince was saying in this song, like, please before we all blow up, can somebody please Ronnie, please go talk to these people in Russia please before they blow up the world okay or before we blow up the world <laughs> okay uh, So that's all that's he's so that's all he's saying. So he was probably you know watching the news at the time because Prince you know he would get his you know his inspiration from any and everywhere and I know that he was a big TV watcher, a big movie watcher so uh, he probably was watching the news one day and was just like, you know what? This is crazy. Ronnie needs to go over there and talk to these Russians before they blow up the world. So that's Ronnie Talk to Russia. Number five was on the same album, Controversy, Andy Christian. Now, Andy Christian, I think, is a little bit more interesting to me than uh, Ronnie Talk to Russia. Because Ronnie Talk to Russia is more straightforward. You know who he's talking about. But Andy Christian, it's like he kind of, I mean, he outright says the Antichrist. But he kind of makes it like, you know, he tells a story and he's mentioning the Antichrist, but he's talking about also other people that it kind of incorporates the Antichrist. Like he talks about, um, you know, John Lennon's, uh, murderer. Uh, what was his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, I want to say Hinckley, but I think that might've been the guy who shot Reagan. But anyway, so the guy who shot, um, uh, Lennon was a uh, John Lennon was uh, anti-Christian and also the guy, the Atlanta murderer, the kid murderer who killed a whole bunch of black children in uh, the early 80s in Atlanta. He talks, he actually makes reference to that because he said she killed black children. And what's fair is fair. If you try and say you're crazy, everybody say electric chair, electric chair. so I don't know if he's saying this, that the antichrist needs to be put in the electric chair I would say so, because I don't think they ever found, I think they, they accused someone and maybe even arrested someone for those Atlanta child murders. But I don't know whatever became of that. I'll have to look that up. But, um, but then, you know, she, he just goes into it and it, and it, and it sounds like a rap more. So he's not singing. He's definitely just talking. He's speaking. And, um, uh, I think that's also what kind of makes it stand out as well. He said, uh, any Christian wanted to be number one. But her kingdom never comes. Thy will be done. She couldn't stand the glory. She would be second to none. The way Annie tells the story, she's his only son. So she moved to Atlanta and she bought a blue car. And the blue car is reference to one of the victims was last seen getting into, uh, one of the victims of the Atlanta child murders was last seen getting into a blue car. So that's reference to that. So... Let's see what else he says. Oh, Annie Christian was a a whore, always looking for some fun. Being good was such a bore, so she bought a gun. She killed John Lennon and shot him down cold. She tried to kill Reagan. So he also references the attempted assassination of uh, President Ronald Reagan. Everybody say gun control. (laughs) So back then, you know, gun control, I think it's always been an issue, hot button issue, and it continues to be with all these school shootings and It's just absolutely terrible now. It just seems like there's a school shooting once a month now. And it's just absolutely horrifying. Like, I'm so glad I don't have a child in school. But at the same time, I do because they have had shootings on universities and colleges. My daughter's in college now. And I mean, it's just so, so scary, y'all. And so then he says, any Christian, any any Christ, until you're crucified, I'll live my life in taxi cabs. Liar, 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 got you in a jam. Put your head on the block. Somebody say, abscam. I don't know what abscam is, y'all, but yeah, he talking about living his life in taxi cabs because he won't, he don't want have nothing to do with no (laughs) anti-Christian. So that is number five. Number four is Colonized Minds, which is on um, the Lotus Flower album, which came out in 2009. So Colonized Minds, and according to Prince himself. He uh, actually got uh, the idea for this song because he was watching a a documentary uh, uh, on um, Dick Gregory. Now, Dick Gregory was a comedian who was really popular in like the 60s and 70s, but he was also kind of a philosopher in his own right and kind of a conspiracy theory person as well. Uh, But uh, he talked about chemtrails and Prince was so fascinated with the idea of chemtrails, which is basically... Like, you know, these, you know, these like lines that you see in the sky sometimes and how the idea is that the government or whoever is creating these chemtrails in the sky, which uh, kind of promotes or, you know, it'll put something in the air that will cause people to be violent. And then the next thing you know, you see these chemtrails in the sky and then people are you know, outside, fighting in the streets and, you know, having wrecks and, you know, all this crazy stuff happens when you see these lines. And so Dick Gregory talked about this in this documentary that Prince Rosh, and he was so fascinated by it that he um, did the song, Colonized Minds. And so he says in here, he says, want to talk about a colonized mind, upload the evolution principle. You see a rock on the shore and say, it's always been there download no responsibility do you do you want nobody cares when he says you see a rock on the shore and say it's always been there that makes me think of that crazy movie that came out uh nope that uh <laughs> what's his name oh I can't remember nobody's name but you know the a um, uh, Jordan peel that came out last year and they uh, and that the creature that came and you know would suck up everybody like it was a cloud. And, 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 and for the longest after I saw Nope, it made me want to look at the clouds more and be like, has that cloud always been there? Has it all? But I mean, but you really don't pay attention to stuff like that. Just like with the chemtrails. Like you really, really just don't pay attention uh, to stuff like that until it's brought to your attention. So let's see what else it says. If you look, you're sure going to find throughout mankind's history, a colonized mind. The one in power makes laws under which the colonized fall. Without God, it's just the blind leading the blind. Ain't that the truth? Upload a joint venture record deal. It's just another way another man can still sleep while he's sticking you with the bill. So he's once again talking about record companies and the fact how they be trying to screw people over. So he was still talking about that. And this was in 2009. And so this is way after, you know, he had left Warner Brothers. He's still talking about it. Because he knows that it's still going to go on regardless of, you know, who he who he's dealing with. And so he says download a temporary acquisition of fleeting fame and fortune. Nothing to leave in your will. Hey, 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 hey. Hmm. That last line about the will is interesting. Upload a child with no father. Download no respect for authority. Upload a child with no mother. Download a hard time showing love. So he's talking about how uh, the ills of society. When you have no father or no mother, no respect for authority, you have a hard time showing love. And so he also might also be talking about himself as well, because I know that Prince did have kind of a strained relationship with his mother. And so just like with uh, little girls, the first relationship they have, uh, uh, first relationship with a the man they have is with their father whether he was present or not. And just like with the same with little boys, the first relationship that they ever have with a woman is with their mother. And so a lot of that dictates how we as men and women function and how we show love and, uh, reciprocate, you know, love, uh, is with based on our relationship with our parents. So I think he's touching a little bit about that, uh, on there, but the minds is, um, I don't come back to the song as much as I do uh, the next one on the list, number three, Uh, but it is a song that does make you think. It makes you think about history and it makes you think about society and how we were, you know, you know, taken from our homeland, you know, in Africa and made to come over here our ancestors and how our minds were colonized in the same way that, you know, the white man would colonize uh, North and South America you know, in the same way, our minds, you know, were colonized. And, uh, I just think that whole concept is just really fascinating to me. So number three is dreamer and dreamer is, I think probably when I think of Jimi Hendrix and Prince, I think of this song because it has a wonderful guitar riff throughout the song. And this is a song that I often come back and listen to. And when I look at the lyrics, it sounds like a Jimi Hendrix song because Jimi Hendrix was really strange. He was a really strange dude. And he would have like like lyrics that were kind of sing-songy lyrics. Like if you ever listen to Spanish Castle Magic. I mean, who would think to put those two concepts together? Like a Spanish Castle and Magic. Okay, I don't know what kind of drugs that Jimi Hendrix was doing, but, you know, he was doing them. Okay, so Dreamer, he said, I was born, raised on a slave plantation in the United States of the red, white, and blue. Never knew that I was different till Dr. King was on a balcony line in a bloody pool. So, he, you know, he's saying that, you know, he didn't know anything about, you know, race. Suppose. I mean I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he probably did. He's being kind of, Facetious, I think with this, but he's basically saying that, Hey, he didn't know that there was, you know, any real difference until he saw that, you know, you know, that Martin Luther King was assassinated. And that's probably when a lot of people grew up, you know, they had to, they didn't have a choice. You know, Prince was, uh, 10 years old in 1968 when, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And for a lot of children, his age, that made them grow up. And probably see the world for what it really was. That it was a dangerous, deadly place. And that, you know, people out here, they don't care about you. You Now, the people that love you, the people that raise you and your family, they love and care about you, or at least they should. But the other people out here, they don't care about you. And so that was a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of children Prince's age when uh, Dr. King was killed. Uh, But going on, he said, I expected so much more from a loving Loving, loving society. So now he's being kind of sarcastic. A truthful explanation. You know what? I got another conspiracy. It was just a dream. Listen, call me, call me a dreamer too. So I think he's referring, of course, to the American dream and how the fact that it is just that. It's just a dream. It's not reality for a lot of people. So with more rewards and accolades than anyone before or after. 21st century. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. Race, race still matters. A race to what and where are we going? We in the same boat, but I'm the only one rowing. So he, you know, once again talking about the struggle I think of Black Americans and the fact that, you know, we're not only are we rowing, you know, but we're like everybody else is ahead, you know, and we're in the back just with our own little boat with our own little row, you know. Um, last time I checked, you were sleeping, but can you call me a dreamer too? What's up with this? And then I like this line right here, peanut butter logic served on a bed of lies. Don't go down too easy when you've seen your father cry. Have you ever clutched the steering wheel in your car too tight, praying that police sirens just pass you by that night? I think we probably, some people have been there. When you have seen the police behind you, I know my husband, he he gets kind of nervous every time the police get behind us, and we've only maybe been pulled over maybe once our whole marriage in the car together, and but yet he will slow down. He will just be like, oh, "I see you, I see you, police man." Like he, he just kind of tenses up, and it's just something that you know naturally that a lot of black people do. Unfortunately, we get tense when we, you know, have to be around you know, p- a police officers because. You just never know, you know, you might just get that one police officer who just is really trick or happy and then then you know that's it. That's all she wrote. So but I like that um, peanut butter logic served on a bed of lies. That's that's a good one. That I, I like that line. So that's number three. Number two is Cinnamon Girl, which was on musicology. Now Cinnamon Girl was kind of controversial at the time because it basically is talking about this uh Muslim girl. Who would you know? I guess I could just you know go ahead and kind of summarize it. She she's getting bullied in the school because of course 9/11. And after 9/11 happened, uh, for those who are kind of younger who may have not known, but after 9/11 occurred, uh, there was a lot of Muslim a lot of hate against Muslims. And so um, and uh, and even in my school, I had uh, some Muslim children that I went to school with and. I was kind of scared for them, you know, because they were getting, you know, bullied. And, well, I don't think uh, at my school, I, I, well, then again, I don't know, but I do know a Muslim girl. She was actually our, um, our, uh, when we graduated, she was the, the top of the class. Uh, but I always kind of looked out for her, you know, after 9 11 because I was scared that, you know, somebody might try to do something to her. But she was like, nah, I ain't going to let nobody hurt me. <laughs> so she was already, you know, kind of, you know, on the, on waiting on something, but I don't know if anything ever happened to her. Shout out to you, Salona. Uh, but, um, but for other, you know, Muslim uh, children and families, they got, you know, severely, you know, bullied and picked on and, you know, people tried to, you know, hurt them. And so in this song, that's kind of what happens to this girl. Like she's getting picked on and let's uh, pick it up where the lyrics are. She said, As war drums beat in Babylon, Cinnamon Girl starts to pray. I never heard a prayer like this one. Never before that day. Tearful words of love for people she had never met before. Asking God to grant them mercy in the face of holy war. Cinnamon Girl, Cinnamon Girl. Cinnamon Girl of mixed heritage. Never knew the meaning of color lines. 9-11 turned that all around when she got accused of this crime. So yeah, a lot of, you know, Muslims were targeted after 9-11 because it was Muslims that uh, perpetrated 9-11, but those were the extreme Muslims. And just like there are extreme Christians, like for instance, the KKK, they consider themselves to be Christian, but they are extreme Christians. Nobody else considers them to be Christian So you have to kind of think about it. And in that perspective, when you look at Muslims that do these uh, bombings and things like these are extremists, they do not represent Muslims as a whole, just like the KKK obviously doesn't represent Christians as a whole, but you know, I digress. And so, so uh, the lyrics go, so, so begins the mass illusion, war on terror. Alibi. What's the use when the god of What's the use when the god of confusion keeps on telling the same lie? So he's talking about how the devil has came in and started this confusion because that's who the god of confusion is is the devil, and keeps telling the same lie about okay, we've got to you know get rid of these people, or we've got to fight these people, or we got to you know uh, get our assets, meaning the oil. You know, got to protect our assets, and so. Uh, that's the mass illusion. And the so-called war on terror is really to protect our assets, uh, the oil. And so, uh, so going back to the lyrics, it says, As war dramas beat in Babylon and scorch the blood red sky, militants bomb the foreign gun. Both sides' children die. Cinnamon Girl opens the book. She knows will settle all the scores. Then she prays after the war that there will be... That, that there will not be any more. So basically she has a bomb and this bomb explodes. And I don't know if this is based on an actual event that this happened. Uh, But yeah, but she, she basically says a prayer. There's a bomb in the, in the, in the book and it explodes and it kills her. And you know, whoever else, you know, and I I don't know if it was in a school or I, I, if I can remember the uh, video, I think it was in like a bus station or something like that. But it was awful. And, uh, but the, the point that Prince was trying to make is, you know, you can't, you know, have your cake and eat it too, basically. You can't say that you want to do a war on terror, you know, against, you know, terrorists. But then you want to try to discriminate against, you know, Muslims in our country that had nothing to do with 9-11, you know. I mean, it wasn't their fault. You know, just kind of like, you know, during the Second World War, you know, with the Japanese when they interred the Japanese in these concentration camps here in the United States because of what their countrymen had did in Pearl Harbor. Now, that's not, you know, nothing that they did, but because of who they are, they were discriminated against. And so... I mean, that's unfortunate for the Japanese. It was unfortunate for the Muslims. It's unfortunate for other black and brown people as well. But it's his life, unfortunately. So that is Cinnamon Girl. That's number two. So finally, number one is Dear Mr. Man, which is also on Musicology. So for me, the reason why I chose Dear Mr. Man as number one, because I really do think that Prince really gets his most political I mean he brings in the bible he talks about war he talks about just you know voting he talks about a lot of different topics in this particular song and so he says that you know maybe we should write a letter to the government just telling them how we feel about all of this you know crap that is going on and so he says what's wrong with the world today Things just got to get better. Showing what the leaders say. Maybe we should write a letter. Dear Mister Man, we don't understand why poor people keep struggling, but you don't lend a helping hand. Matthew five five say the meek shall inherit the earth. We want to be down that way, but you've been tripping since the day of your birth. So he's saying like, look, you say you want to help us, government, but are do but you you know you slap our hand instead of giving us money instead of trying to help us. You know, um, who said that tequila is a sin? Well, we know who said tequila was a sin. Then they started every single war that you've been in. Who said that water is a precious commodity? Then drop a big old oil slick in the deep blue sea. Who told me, Mr. Man, that working around the clock would buy me a big house in the hood with cigarette ass on every block? Who told Mr. Man that I got a right to moan? How about this big old hole in the ozone. What's wrong with the world today? Things just got to get better. Maybe we should write a letter. Listen, ain't no sense in voting. Same song with a different name. Might not be on the back of the bus, but it show feel just the same. Ain't nothing fair about welfare. Ain't no assistance in AIDS. And no ain't nothing affirmative about your action until our people get paid. And then my favorite part of the song is when he says "Yo, thousand years are up Now you got to share the land. (laughs) So he's like, and then we're going to end this with a couple of words. We tired of y'all. Like we tired of this shit, y'all. We tired. We tired of being tired. Like some shit just got to change. And you know what? I I feel that song from, that's why I pretty much read the whole, (laughs) read the whole song. That's how much I feel it because I mean, it's just so true. I mean, it's just like the same shit, different day. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I think that's how Prince feel about it. Like, I mean, we just keep going through the same shit over and over. When is it going to end? I mean, things, like you said, things got to get better at some point. We can't keep going through the same shit year after year, day you know, day after day, week after week, year after year. Something's got to change. And so he was so, you know, just so brilliantly intelligent and smart and just knew, you know. And then with these lyrics, I mean, he was, his songwriting with these political songs is just top notch. Not too many uh, artists were good at writing political songs. And Prince wrote, these are just 10, but he wrote, you know, several others as well. But let me know what you think uh, down in the uh, comments about these songs. And right before, I only got a few more minutes uh, because we're almost right at an hour, but uh, I do have some honorable mentions, Lady Cab Driver and Hello!, so hello was a B side on, uh, around the world of the day. And it talks about, you know, why he didn't do the whole, we All the world. And I've talked about that on other, uh, episodes. So I'm not going to get into that, but I just thought that he kind of proved his case. And he just basically said, Hey, there's children here in the United States that need to be fed. I'm not saying that, you know, the African children don't need to be fed, but we, we need to concentrate here on the children here that need food. And then, uh, so I thought he had a point there. And also, Lady Cab Driver, you know, when he was, you know, giving it to Jill Jones, he was, you know, saying, hey, you know, it is what it is. Like, this is how, her life. She shouldn't have to live like this. But anyway, so those are my two um, honorable mentions. But you guys, thank you so much for listening. And until I uh, see y'all, hear y'all again, peace and be wild. And may you live the season dawn. Bye.